today on Tea and Teaching. So from a, a regulation point of view, what you're talking about, Mike, this this thing that the, the students are struggling to engage, they're struggling to remember rules, to remember basics, etc, etc. They're struggling to regulate. And I what I see is because we are not giving them the tools to do so. And this is where we get to school, things like school culture, how we communicate within school, our school values, how we um, work together as a team. There needs to be that continual feedback loop, that continual feedback loop that builds trust over time so that when boats start to rock a little bit more, we start to know sooner and sooner. So we know before the kid is throwing the desk at the teacher's face, <laughs> we tend to know a little bit before, oh, actually, look, so-and-so had a wobble in science. They don't usually wobble in science. But the science teacher was able to tell me because the science teacher wasn't scared to tell me. Some of these conversations are really, really messy and they don't feel good and they make us feel a bit poo. (laughs) And I think it's really important to say that that's normal. Welcome to Tea and Teaching, the educational podcast you can listen to with a cup of tea. I'm Arthur Moore, and with me, as always, it's Mike Harrowell. Hi, Mike. Hello, Arthur. How are you? Uh, I am fantastic, buddy. Uh, I'm very excited about today's podcast. Do you want to know who we've got on? Uh, it would be a surprise and honour to find out who's on our podcast today. I hope it's not too much of a surprise, Mike. This is a collaborative pod. We are lucky enough to be joined by Adele Bates the behaviour and education specialist. She's a speaker. She's an author. She's a tutor. She's got her book, Miss I Don't Give a Shit. Yes, that's swearing uh, on tea and teaching. I think it's the first ever. So go away, get the kettle on, get a cup of tea, get a biscuit. And when we're back, we're going to be talking to Adele about behaviour in schools. Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. We are joined today by Adele Bates. Adele, welcome to Tea and Teaching. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Well, we know who you are, but let's say there's some listeners for some reason who don't know who you are, Adele. Do you want to give us the quick, who is Adele Bates story? Yes, um, story. You make it sound very long. <laughs> uh, so I'm a behaviour and education specialist. I'm a keynote speaker and author of Miss I Don't Give a Shit, Engaging with Challenging Behaviour in Schools. I've been teaching for over 20 years and I recently got a new rescue puppy. My life is upside down and I may never work again. <laughs> we we spoke pre-pod about the puppy um, who is beautifully <laughs> well behaved right now, but if there's a puppy in the background or children crying, blame me and Mike. Um, that's not <laughs> us crying. Um, Adele, so what we really want to ask you is you're you're talking to loads of teachers and schools right now about behavior like what are you seeing at the moment about behavior in our uk school system okay so we are currently in april 2023 and in the last 18 months i have seen a huge huge shift in the schools and colleges that i work with uh since lockdowns there's no two ways about it um so what i see is that what used to be the terrible three as it were have now become the terrible 15 and 
what used to be back chatting is now desk throwing and storming out the classroom. And so what I'm saying by that is that I have seen in every single school, and I work across many settings, right from infants up to further education, mainstream, special, prus, alternative provisions, etc. Um, in all settings, I've seen an increase both in the frequency of behavior issues and in the severity of them, unfortunately. And of course, this is linked to a myriad of things, not least mental health, um, poverty issues in our country, um, the energy crisis, like you can go on and on and, and, and the reasons are all there. But what I'm also seeing on top of that is that we have a staff who are run down and let's face it, very stressed. And I'm I'm working with a lot of schools at the moment where, where staff are, are anxious and are finding it difficult to regulate themselves. And so then the effect we have of this is that if as the adults in the space, we're struggling to regulate our own behavior, then guess where that stress, that anxiety is gonna go? It's going to go to our, to our children and our young people um, with the best will in the world. You know, this, this, this is just kind of human behavior. Um, and then what that causes in a lot of the schools that I'm working with is this, this kind of divide of, of certain groups of teachers saying, um, for example, like we just need to be more disciplined. There's not enough consistency. We need to get that stronger. And it might be that a school decides with their behavior approach to, to go down that route. And it might work for certain kids, but it's not going to work for your kids who've got extreme behavior needs or your children who've got um, SEMH, social, emotional, mental health issues, children who've um, experienced adverse childhood experiences, trauma, abuse, neglect. And unfortunately, since lockdown, there's a higher percentage of young people who fall into those categories. So then we get this kind of divide in the staff where... Um, so, uh, I mean, what I've seen in quite a few schools is that SLT are really hoping that that teaching staff will will get in there more, deal with conflict, you know, spot the kid who's breaking the rule down the corridor. But because the behaviour severity and frequency has changed, I'm also seeing a huge amount of staff who are not trained to deal with that behaviour. And most teachers have had about half a day's behavior training back in their ITT, initial teacher training, and some of our TAs who are the people who sometimes deal with the most challenging behavior most regularly, just imagine, you know, oh, Sadie has done something um, disruptive in the classroom, oh, Mrs. Baker, can you take her out? Um, those teaching assistants may have never had behavior training or support ever. And then we wonder why um, there's such an issue. And, and that's highlighted again in things like play times, lunch times, the unstructured times, when usually the more qualified um, and trained staff are not there. And the, the timetable at that point is less structured. And then we wonder why the behavior comes up. So, yeah, I mean, where do you want to start? <laughs> there's a lot. Uh, it's, luckily, it sounds like an easy fix that will definitely yeah. have all of behavior. <laughs> next 20 to 30 minutes mike i'm curious because um you've worked in many schools you've been teaching for uh, a short period of decades um i was wondering if, you, if you've seen in, in your own kind of um in your own experience has is behavior changing is it 
increasing? Are you still relying on that half an hour of training you had back in your ITT days? I I would 100% agree with Adele. I think that the extreme end is becoming more extreme and the, the low level is becoming more frequent. Mm. Um, I feel that students are, are struggling to not talk in lessons, like to... I feel like it's almost like whack-a-mole in some lessons yes. um, where it's, it's that inability to focus on a task. And I'm, you know, I'm sure when I was at school, my teacher said very similar things about us, but it feels like the frequency of, of that has increased and the, the lack of almost self-discipline has, has eroded somewhat since lockdown, I would say. But I definitely feel that we are at a a big moment for behavior in this country mm-hmm. that we've, we've had big focus on it this year in the schools I work in um, because that behavior is a gateway to learning. So if a student turns up to your class and their shirt is untucked, for instance, we need to address that straight away before they come in the room. And, and that for me, that's such a gateway behavior because if you take pride in your appearance, you're more likely to take pride in your learning and you're more likely to take pride in your work. So I get what you're saying there, Adele, in terms of we have to sweat the small things with behaviour, but it is exhausting. I think mm. today I have probably stopped, probably in double figures, students in corridors and said, I need you to take your coat off inside. I need you to take your shirt in. I need you to make sure your top button's done up. Mm. And it's exhausting. And I would love to walk past that, that behaviour but if you walk past it, you allow it. And we absolutely know that, you know, you are only as strong as your weakest member of staff when it comes to behavior as a collective. Mm. Um, but I get people are just untrained or not untrained, but not trained enough. Mm-hmm. And they're shattered from what they're doing day in, day out. And the good work teachers are doing. This is not a definitely not a dig at teachers, you know. Mm. The teachers are trying their hardest. They're working their hardest. School leaders are trying their hardest. Mm. But it's very, very challenging at the moment. Yeah. I want to pick up on something you said, Mike. This is totally unscientific. But every Friday on Twitter, I ask I ask my community, how has behaviour gone this week? Answers in GIFs slash GIFs only. And the whack-a-mole GIF, GIF, <laughs> can, we, can, we, can you make a choice on this podcast? Are you GIFing or GIFing? GIF. I'm GIF, absolutely. Arthur giving okay so the most popular gift is the whack-a-mole gift um so I realize how unscientific that is but I think that's so I think you capture it really really well there and I think so from a a regulation point of view what you're talking about Mike this this thing that the the students are struggling to engage they're struggling to remember rules to remember basics etc etc they're struggling to regulate. And I, what I see is because we are not giving them the tools to do so. And from my experience, the tools that they need now post lockdown or the frequency of the amount of times you give them the tools is, is way more. So they will need reminding more about routines, about, like you say, the small stuff. And that that can be exhausting um, for staff, absolutely. And just to also pick up on something you said about the tuck shirt and, and the small stuff, um, that is also setting um, dependent. Um, there are some settings that I work in where 
if a kid hasn't actually been into school for three weeks and then they actually make it in, but the shirt's untucked, the tucked, untucked shirt might not be the first thing I go for. It might be welcome. It's brilliant to have you in school. Um, so that is a little bit dependent just on whether in mainstream or uh, alternative, etc. When we talk about, because we're going to be talking about approaches to behaviour, Adele, I, the thing that I often hear is where does behaviour management start? Does it start in the classroom with the teacher? Are they the, absolute, are they the people fighting on the front line? Or does it start with the SLT member who greets them at the gate when they walk in? Or does it start with the policies and procedures that have been created and we all read before we even start at school? Like, like you go into these schools and you help them with behaviour. You help mm-hmm. the teachers, the staff, the schools. Is there, a, is there an answer to where does that behaviour management start or where it should start? Or is it just everywhere and just hope something works? <laughs> you know, no one's ever asked me that question before. Thank you. <laughs> so what I am learning increasingly um, is that it starts with how we are looking after ourselves. So when I, even just in this setting, when I set into, step into this, when I virtually step into this podcast, I have eaten, I've had some water, I'm fairly calm. I'm a bit nervous about my dog because it's she's new and I'm not used to having a dog. So there is a part of my brain that's kind of like a little bit edgy and I can feel that inside me. But also I have the tools, as I've talked before, to be able to regulate myself. You know, I've, I've put the preparation in beforehand. I've told you that I'm nervous about my dog. Um, so what I'm saying there is how I am is gonna affect how you are, it's going to affect how the listener um, receives this conversation. And it's exactly the same when we're teaching. And I'll give you a brilliant, brilliant example. I was teaching a year 11 mainstream class. I'm an English teacher by trade, English and drama. And um, I walked into double period on a Thursday afternoon, year 11, Macbeth, right? That's that's the scenario, 33 kids, comp, uh, secondary school. And um, I went in, started the lesson as as per, and this lad, we've been working together for two years. He went, Miss, you're grumpy today. <laughs> What's up with you? <laughs> and I said, I'm fine. Just get me to work. Look, it's there. You know, blah, blah, blah. And he went, no, Miss, you're not usually this grumpy. What's up with you? And I said, look, I didn't have time to eat my lunch. I was running my club. I was running the Am- Amnesty International Club. I haven't had my lunch, but it's fine. Get on. And he was like, Miss, just eat your lunch. But I just so happened to be in a school where we had this rule that you weren't supposed to eat in front of the children. Okay, blah, blah, blah. And I said to him, I can't, there's a school rule, I'm not allowed to eat in front of you. To which this kid just said to me, Miss, just eat your lunch. And I just found that so insightful that this lad who on paper you know, target-wise, progress eight-wise, yada, yada, was, was quite low ability. But he had the emotional intelligence to know if Miss didn't eat her lunch, he was going to spend the next two hours <laughs> with me going, be quiet, concentrate, be quiet, concentrate. Now, if you've got a teacher who's doing that, guess what's going to happen to the behaviour of the kids? Guess what I'm going to do when I set the tone? Or if I'm in leadership, if I haven't slept... If I haven't looked after myself, if I am not regulated, if my heart is beating faster, if my shoulders are tense, if I am having to think of 3,002 things at once, how am I going to be when I speak to the staff? I'm going to, my, my, my voice is going to get higher. It's going to get faster. And I'm going to share that stress. And then that stress is going to go to, the, you see what I mean? 
So the image I often use when I'm supporting exactly this with schools is, is the ripple. Like we are, as the educator in the classroom, as the adult in the classroom or the leader, we get to set the tone of the behavior. We can't control anybody's behavior but our own. We can influence it. We are like the tuning forks as the teacher. We are the tuning forks of the room. They will look to us. If something cracks off, if a wasp comes in, if the fire alarm goes off, the kids look to us, how do we behave? You know, is this a threat? Do we need to panic? And so that's where behavior management starts. And it's not a coincidence. My, my first chapter of my book is all about this. And when I first wrote it, it was interesting. I had a proofreader, Ian Gilbert, the brilliant Ian Gilbert. He's written loads of books and edited loads of books. Um, he is the founder of Independent Thinking. And he proofread my book and he said, okay, Adele, this is great, love it, but why don't you in the first chapter just put a few easy, you know, easy wins, a few easy strategy behavior tips. He said, this kind of self-care stuff, I mean, it's nice, but put it on later. And part of me, because I was a very conscientious, good student when I was at school, I was like, oh gosh, Ian Gilbert said I should do that. You know, I, I should probably do it because he's an expert. But I went away and I went back to the schools that I was working with and I looked and I just thought, no, because actually, fundamentally, the thing that is underlining everything, no member of staff can successfully um, promote positive behavior in a classroom if they are not regulated and ready to do so themselves. It has to come first. I think that is a perfect moment, Adele, for us to take a little biscuit break and to look after ourselves, top up our tea. Oh. And, uh, and when we come back, let's talk about once we're regulated, once we're ready to lead on behaviour, how we can approach it as a whole school. Hi, it's Steve Baker here. Can I take a moment to tell you about that behaviour book? I've been working with teachers in classrooms for years, helping them to lead behaviour more effectively. Now I've put all the advice I've given them into a book so that you can have it. That Behaviour book will be published by Crown House on 31st of March. Now, let's grab a cuppa and get back to the pod. That was a lovely break, wasn't it? Arthur, did you have a lovely break? I've looked after myself by having a biscuit, Mike, and I've also just been applauding your smoothness uh, I'm going to put that on your show reel to go and work on the one show because that was sensational. Absolutely. Well, let's carry on. Um, welcome back, Adele. So let's talk. I am regulated. I've had my lunch. I've had my cup of tea. I'm in a good place. What am I doing as a school, as a member of a school, to be really successful behaviour? This is a challenging time. What should a school do to inspire their staff to nail behaviour? First of all, you need to know what's going on. And that will be different in every single school, every single setting, every single community, every single country. And even it, your school will be different to the school down the road. And I think this is absolutely essential. Um, we are, behaviour is about context. Okay, so it's about how we are relating to the environment we're in. It's about how we're relating to each other, what's going on, 
And so if, for example, I've seen a school have a bereavement of a pupil, then behavior is gonna be very, very different to um, a school that's let's say a new school. Um, all of these factors make a huge difference. And so what I do, uh, I write about this in the book and then I also support schools to do it um, kind of holding their hand, is I encourage, first of all, that, I mean, for want of a better phrase, to have an audit. And what's really important about that behavior audit is that we ask everybody. This is not asking SLT about their behavior policy. Um, I have seen stats, I think with the, is it the teacher app, teacher tap app? There's a thing, isn't there? I've seen stats on there, it's a great question. Somebody asked, um, does your behavior policy work in your school basically? And who are you? And it was incredible how many SLT said, yes, it's working. And how many teaching staff said, no, it's not. <laughs> and I think that's very telling. So what I do is I set up um, consultations. I call them cross-working, cross-party cross working, cross-working party. I call them something like that. Um, yeah, so I, I get um, everybody in the room. So that might be governors, that might be catering staff. And absolutely, it has to be those young people, inverted commas, known for their behavior across the school. They need to be a part of this discussion because they are the ones that this, this affects um, and also other pupils as well. Um, so first of all, you need to find out what's going on because I think, I mean, I see this so, so, so often um, that we try to fix behavior or put an intervention in without really knowing what's what we're trying to solve. And I'm working with a brilliant school at the moment in Wales and they, dis they discovered one term, their behavior points were going up. So looking at your stats is a useful part of this audit. They were looking at their stats and they noticed behavior points had gone up. And the temptation there is lots of schools I see suddenly go, right, okay, behavior points have gone up. So let's start cracking down on behavior. Uh, uh, let's, let's get strict on uniform. That, that seems to be a very common response. But what this school did instead is they said, who? Is getting the behavior points what's the demographic of those young people um is there a pattern is it they always get it on a friday afternoon is it break time stuff you know where are the patterns and this school discovered it was year nine girls it happened to be who were getting the most behavior points so then they started to be able to look into that even more and go okay which girls and um it turned out there was like 30 girls in year nine who were getting most of the behavior points for the whole school and so then they can start working with those young people to find out exactly what needs to happen rather than this blanket approach of behavior points have gone up. So let's, you know, find a, a random intervention. And I, the analogy I give for this, which I find really helpful, is let's say, um, Arthur and Mike, you both have headaches, right? And you go to the doctor and you both say, I've got a headache. And the doctor um, let's say, Arthur, maybe your headache is because you've, I know you've been working really hard, you haven't been sleeping, maybe you've got kids, maybe they're keeping you up. Mike, maybe you're just partying lots and having a great time and you've got a headache, right? So the doctor may give you both the same pill. She can subscribe you the same pill. I'm going to say aspirin, not a doctor, but <laughs> you get the idea. And that will work temporarily. But underneath that, we need to get under, well, hang on a minute, is Arthur over, uh, overworking and why might that be? And is there an underlying issue there that we, we can 
we can really tackle. And Mike, okay, great, you're having a good time, but is there a reason and, and are you overdoing it? <laughs> you know, And is there something there? And I see exactly the same thing happen with behavior in schools, especially when we're talking about school-wide approaches, when we're looking at middle management, um, trying to do kind of initiatives. It's like, you've got to find out what your actual issue is first before you try and fix it. Because if you don't, it's one of those interventions and we all know them. When somebody comes in with a new intervention, <laughs> It lasts two minutes because it's not really solving the issue that you've got. Can I ask on the point of kind of understanding patterns behavior? Because I remember mm. being a middle leader and mm. I would go over the behavior stats at the end of the week um, and I would go and walk around classes and go into classrooms. Um, and I learned loads from that. But a problem I found with both those approaches is behavior stats. I always found were dependent upon who's giving the stats. Mm -hmm. So I always found it difficult to be like, right, why is this student not getting stats in this classroom, not getting stats mm -hmm. in that classroom? Like there's a bit of teacher discretion, isn't there, with behavior stats. Yes. Yes. Um, and the other thing I always found hard with learning walks, both as a teacher and as someone who would walk around going to a classroom was, as soon as there was another adult in the room, the culture yes. and dynamic of the room changes. So me going in to see the tough year eight class on a Friday mm. is not the same as that tough year eight class on a Friday being in the room. So I was wondering, kind of for you talking to kind of middle leaders senior leaders mm -hmm. how we get around those two kind of issues with kind of uh looking out for patterns and behavior and try i'm trying to do the right thing but it's yeah. still letting me down yes that's what the cross-working party is about so that party <laughs> it's very political that group that committee whatever you know whatever you'd call it um that's why that's so brilliant because then you get to talk to the dinner time supervisor and find out what their experiences are. And you're absolutely right. When you stand next to that dinner time supervisor, the behavior is going to change because you are middle uh, management. Um, you get to um, have those conversations with the kids and, and, and find out from them, why is it they act different in science than they do in PE? And um, you, you continue that committee as you go along. So that's not just a one-off thing. So that, that's kind of a regular committee that meet. And through that, the trust builds and you're able to start to get to the truth. So that's one way. The other way, um, and this kind of goes on to my next point I was going to say, is that you also need anonymous channels. That's really, really important. Uh, unfortunately, because of the way the British education system now is, particularly with academization, um, people are scared for their jobs. They're scared for their performance appraisals because... Now we're all performance related pay. Um, if I don't do well, if this person doesn't like me, I might not be able to pay my mortgage is kind of where it gets to. Unfortunately, that's the system that was created um, by one of the many, many ministers of education we've had recently. Um, so, um, so because of that, I mean, I've seen it happen. I've seen staff really struggling with behavior, talking about it. And then as soon as senior leadership ask, they go, oh no, it's fine because they're scared. So you've also got to have anonymous channels. That's super important. And on top of all this, you've got to keep evaluating, monitoring. This is a circular process. This is not a, we're gonna go in, we're gonna fix it and keep going and then it'll all be good. It needs to be circular. It needs to be, um, and this is where we get to school, things like school culture, how we communicate within school, our school values, how we um, work together as a team. There needs to be that continual feedback loop 
that continual feedback loop that builds trust over time so that when boats start to rock a little bit more, we start to know sooner and sooner. So we know before the kid is throwing the desk at the teacher's face, <laughs> we tend to know a little bit before, oh, actually, look, so-and-so had a wobble in science. They don't usually wobble in science, but the science teacher was able to tell me because the science teacher wasn't scared to tell me because they didn't feel like they were gonna be judged for it for themselves. Can I ask just on the anonymous feedback, do you have a way a recommended way to to do that for schools because i know lots of schools would like these channels but yeah. sometimes they overthink them or they underthink them like paper under the under the headmaster's <laughs> door or so you don't disturb him kind of traditional way is there is there a better way yes um or her head or her i was going for the traditional which is even oh i see <laughs> fair enough um so i mean that is really dependent on the school it depends what technology you've got available um, if you've got a whizzy IT department who can whiz you up something really quick, do that. If not, if paper and pen is the way in your school, some budgets in schools will do that. But yeah, the simpler, the better. The simpler, the better. Um, I think also it's it's important to think about uh, different ways of communicating. So not just an anonymous survey, but it's the anonymous survey plus the conversations, plus the cross-working party, plus the lesson walks, plus, you know, it's it's trying to get the whole picture um, there'll be people who'd be quite happy to write you an essay, but may never speak to you about it and vice versa. So, Mike, you work with plenty of, of teachers supporting them. Do you how do you how do you look to gain feedback on how their students are doing in kind of your department areas across the schools you work in? Yeah, luckily, I think with PE departments, we we benefit from having a shared office. So a lot of the time you're coming back from your lesson and you're saying oh so-and-so behaved in a different way today or i have to had i had to have a student removed um that you know that's i've never seen behavior like that before or this is very out of character and we're having those conversations the, the people i worry for in schools are people who spend all day every day in their classroom on their own because we're busy because you teach a five lesson day because you eat your lunch at your desk on your own, catching up with emails. And it's those people who don't have that opportunity to have those discussions who end up feeling quite isolated, like they're challenging behavior on their own. And they're the people who can, but I, I assume, become overwhelmed sometimes with behavior and they feel that isolation more than most. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. And I think you've also hit upon something else that I wanted to talk about in this podcast, which is that some of these conversations are really, really messy and they don't feel good and they make us feel a bit poo. <laughs> and I think it's really important to say that that's normal. And I think that's kind of hard to hear sometimes. I've worked with a few schools recently who've really been struggling for various reasons, social and social economic reasons, um, contextual reasons, environmental reasons, plus everything, everything. And they've kind of turned to me and said, look, we keep trying, but what's going on? Like, it just feels like it's getting worse. And what I say to them is that this is part of the process, whether this is you as the individual teaching assistant or teacher having to have the conversation and say, actually, 8F2, I've lost them. And I feel rubbish about that. And I'm taking it personally and I'm considering my career choice. 
whether that's the conversation you're having or it's as a, across a whole school saying, actually, we've, we've lost them at the moment. You know, our systems aren't in place. We don't have consistency. We don't have high expectations. And um, this these conversations are not nice to have. And what I see, which I feel is a mistake from my experience, are schools that pretend instead and they go, oh, no, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Um, these schools then tend to make more increasingly strict rules. Um, we tend to get into a culture then, a very blameful culture, a very punishing culture around pupils. And what we do in that case is we then see an increase in exclusions, we see an increase in off-rolling, and we see an increase in resignations. And so if you are listening to this and you're feeling like you are in that situation, I would say I dare you and I double dare you back to have the hard conversations because whilst they might be hard, they are absolutely necessary if we're going to move forwards. If you really want to improve the behaviour, you're going to have to look at the rubbish bits as well. Just before you jump in there, Mike, just to convey to the listeners, I don't think there's ever been a minute of so much nodding for me and Mike. That was that was a lot of nodding there. I could not agree a more doubt. Mike, you wanted to jump in there. Terrible podcasting technique, nodding, isn't it? Really doesn't translate to the listener in the way that we, what should we, do? we hope it will. I don't want to... Uh, applause. Applause, just applause whilst Adele's talking. Um, Please I'll do. Up two things there, Adele. <laughs> I share a class with a member of staff that I line manage, and they, he doesn't have behaviour issues with them, and I have lost that class, and I have to be so open and honest with him. I come in and he's like, like, how's that lesson? And you can see in his eyes, he knows what I'm going to say. And I'm like, oh, they killed me today. Absolutely. I tried something new. It didn't work. Oh, and, you know, I'm going to have to go away and think about this again. Mm. It would be so easy for me to say, I can't show weakness to this person I line manage. Yeah, yeah, they're fine. Yeah, they were great. Um, but you have to be honest. And I, I regularly say to him, student did this. How would you have dealt with that? Because they're, they're, whatever you're doing is working with them whatever I'm doing at the moment isn't working. So I think having those vulnerable conversations with colleagues is so important. Mm -hmm. Down, up, sidewards, the lot. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing I'll pick up on there is that, that temptation of a school to just keep chucking new initiatives at behavior. Yeah. Instead of working out, like you said, working out what is your approach going to be that works within your context and your culture, where are your lines going to be, and then holding those lines consistently. Yes. And understanding that you don't fix behavior overnight. You don't fix behavior in a week, a term. It takes long-term consistency, mm -hmm. but actually you can't just go after six weeks, oh, that didn't work. Let's try something new. Or let's yeah. now focus on this. Let's now focus on that. Yes. That for me, it always felt in schools where I've been in with done that, that has more of a negative impact on behavior than having a bit of a weaker approach yes but being consistent with it is that yeah. true or is that me just making it mm. up? I think you're right because as a behavior and education specialist um I think sometimes some schools invite me in hoping I've got the one two three magic wand and if if there was a one way to solve behavior we would have found it by now our prisons would be empty, no one would get a detention, and I wouldn't have a job. Um, but of course, that's not, not the truth. And so I think what you said, Mike, is right, that actually, you have to find out what's going on 
first um, to be able to do that, to be, to be able to make any kind of impact. And also, <laughs> you reminded me of something. Um, it was actually um, Howell Roberts who shared this. He's a, a trainer as well. And he he was saying like this idea that when, when all the staff have been to um, a training or an inset day and they come back going, let's try all these new initiatives. <laughs> let's get the Lego out. Let's all use post-it notes. Let's all use whiteboard, you know, whatever they've been trained on. And the kids are just there going, oh, the teachers have been on a training day. <laughs> And the kids know it, you know, they know that you're trying. And it's not saying that we don't. I've had it when a student came into my lesson and said, I've, say I've had this in a lesson and I've tried something new that we've had just had an inset and the teacher said, and the kids say, we just did this in the last lesson with that last teacher. And you're like, oh no, I'm a cliche. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, it's tricky. And so what I do um, to support schools, to try and not do that um, is that I work on their behavior action plan. So this is created from, you know, I do an investigation, I'm part of that audit process and we find out what's going on in the school. We've done all those um, surveys and questionnaires and group focus groups and all that kind of stuff. And it's from there, the school decide <laughs> what they want to do together um, that's relevant to context and time, yes. And of course it has the students in with it. Um, and it's quite incredible if you've never done this before, I'm going to day you and double day you back. Ask the students about behaviour and ask those students in particular who are the ones who are always down the corridor or in the detentions. Um, there's a few ideas in my book of constructive ways that you can do that. I think it's chapter nine. Um, because actually there are some brilliant things that pupils can share because they are seeing behaviour from a very different angle to us. And I'm not saying we always follow exactly what the kid's doing. You know, we are the professionals, we're trained. And they are the people we're working for and with. So it kind of makes sense that we involve them in the process. I think what, I, what I'm hearing a lot, Adele, with you is it's about like if we just keep throwing stuff at behavior, like we might have a great 10 minutes, we might get a great lesson, we might even get a great week. But in the end, those kind of that patchwork quilt of classes is gonna is gonna fall apart at some point. And what we need to do is as a school. As a, as a teacher, as a group, whatever, we need to be really honest with ourselves, really honest with ourselves, our department, our school, mm -hmm. and then we can make behaviour work kind of from the, the ground up. I'm not talking the ground up in terms of the classroom up. I'm talking in terms of, like, what do we want behaviour to look like? Mm -hmm. What What is our context that's built from there? Rather than Fridays are bad, so we're going to have uh, really strict rules on Fridays. Mm -hmm. Like... It's about understanding context, but then using that context to come up with like overarching solutions rather than just yes. let's be harsh on ties this week. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Although that sounds great. Um, I think a word that's springing to my mind is sustainability. And also the, the way that you just expressed that um, was, was kind of very conceptual. And just to bring it back to a really practical example, I'm thinking of I had um, a year 10 class and it got to a point where I lost them. <laughs> like it happens, I lost them. And I was racking my brains. I was going to kind of my head of department and I was going to different people who I trusted within my school and saying, you know, how can I get them back? What have I done? What strategies? And in the end, this brilliant teacher said to me, have you asked the kids? And so I went back 
And in a, I did a circle time. Yes, with teenagers. Yes, it was brilliant. It worked. This restricted ways to do that. I've got a blog about it. You can read about it. Um, but I sat there and I said, look, our lessons aren't working anymore. I said, these are the things I've tried from my point of view. What's happening for you? And then it was quite incredible that they, um, it was a mixed ability group. I mean, you know, I know that we can all debate that for, for a very long time, how we, how we do settings, but it was a mixed ability group. And they actually, all of them more or less came out with the answer that they were struggling at that time with the fact that I was trying to teach um, the English GCSE syllabus in three, you know, in that kind of split three-way thing of like you know low ability middle ability high ability all in the same classroom all at once and you know some of them were saying they were getting lost some of them were saying they were bored and I was seeing this reflected back um and if you've got kids getting lost and kids getting bored you get behavior issues like that's <laughs> that happens and it was so insightful to ask them what was happening because then I was able to say to them like quite honestly okay thank you for your feedback then it's my job as the professional to take that away and go okay what do I do with it I'm not expecting the kids to do that and then I was very honest with them and I said okay I'm going to do some things in two weeks time we're going to meet again and we're going to reflect and we're going to see if it's working and I'm only talking five ten minutes out of the lesson out of a double period I'm not talking like hours and hours out of curriculum and through that I got the class back because they realized this is a radical idea here, folks, that when we are listened to as a stakeholder, <laughs> we have uh, more of a buy-in. And uh, that's that's kind of proven in all sorts of areas of society. Um, so like these are practical strategies that can be used. And if you want more ideas, you know, then do work with me for that, because it's yes, there are kind of conceptual, you know, overarching approaches. And you can do it with something as simple as the seating plan. Okay, your, your new seating plan isn't working, but you've got to keep it consistent, but it's not working, but you've got to keep it consistent. What do you do? And, and you know, there are practical ways to do that. So I think that, um, oh, I just want to go on for ages, but we've got to probably finish. So I'm just going to hold myself because I'm about to go on to another thing. <laughs> I, I remember when I lost a class, my first class I remember losing in my, uh, I, I was two weeks into my NQT year, so it didn't take long. Um, uh, the... The worst behaving student had been moved into my class by the head of department, uh, reading to that what you want. And she walked mm. in and she looked me up and down, uh, properly looked me up and down, turned to her class, went, what's this one like then? Yeah. And a voice at the back of the class piped up. He tries to be strict, but he can't be. <laughs> and I realized I hadn't won that class over. I, I feel like I'd lost that class. Um, and yeah. um, it took a while, it took a while to get them back. Uh, Adele, thank you so much for coming on Tea and Teaching. Uh, we've briefly mentioned how people can find out more about you and work with you, but where can people find out more about you and work with you? <laughs> the best place to go is my website, which is adelebateseducation.co.uk. And there's a few ways over there that you can work with me, whether you are um, teaching staff or senior leader or governor, etc. So I have around 300 free resources over there, all on behavior, from anything from what to do when a kid swears at you, <laughs> to how to motivate uh, young people with learning, to SEMH, social, emotional, mental health specific resources, and also resources over there for leaders as well. Uh, one of the cheapest ways to uh, get support from me is to buy my book. Um, and I do encourage my readers, if at all possible, to buy Miss I Don't Give a Shit 
engaging with challenging behaviour in schools from a company that pays its taxes. Preferably an independent bookshop, <laughs> if, if possible, you can order it in. Um, and then the other piece that I um, have been working on recently that I am so excited about is my Behaviour Leadership Mastermind. And so this has come about from working with schools over the years where I'll go in and I'll do, you know, the support that I do and the training and then staff want that support as, a, as an ongoing thing. So this is really for people who are in middle leadership. So they're in charge of behavior in some way. You might be head of department, you might be a pastoral lead, you might be a behavior lead, you might be SENCO, you might be a governor in charge of behavior. In smaller schools, you might be the head or, or the deputy. Um, and you are in that kind of position where you're kind of in the middle. So you've got teachers turning to you saying, what do we do about behavior? And then also you're supposed to be kind of leading on it, but you're kind of making it up as you go along. Um, that kind of group. And we've got a gorgeous group now. We meet once every half term online. And in that space, we have, um, I'll share um, some of the best practice that I'm seeing on behavior. And that includes my international research. I've worked in Finland. I've worked in Costa Rica and the Dominican Republic. And so I share different practices around behavior. And then the second half, we have a support space for Q&As, for case studies, for, oh my goodness, year nine are on the roof again. Year two, keep just chasing the goat. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> Those kind of things. It's a gorgeous community where we can just support each other through these things as well for what can often be an isolating place. So that's one of my, my favorite places at the moment to support staff. I would definitely recommend going to the website because it all leads from there. And if you're just helping Adele Bates into education, into Google, like it all comes up. Uh, Adele, thank you so much for coming on Tea and Teaching. Uh, absolutely loved chatting with you. Listeners, we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. Uh, Mike, we've discussed so much about behaviour. I, I feel it would be silly to just pick out these key, single key takeaways. I don't think that works for this week, Mike. What do you think? No, I think we should join Adele. Uh, let's get Adele back. And we're going to join Adele in her weekly uh, ritual of discussing yes. insult of the week. So Adele, tell us about insult let's get Adele of the back. week. Adele, the first ever person to make it to the takeaways of team teaching. This is, this yeah. is seminal. Um, tell us. So I know you run something on Twitter, insult of the week. Uh, what is, what's your insult of the week? <laughs> <laughs> okay so do you want my one I've got or where it came from you, you're choosing Adele okay so in sort of the hashtag in sort of the week um essentially came from me going oh my goodness these children are quite hilarious and little serious undernotes sometimes this can hurt and ouch should I take that personally so I started sharing these in my community on Twitter and my community love it and we all share our insults of the week and it's just a gorgeous way yes to have a bit of a laugh but also to remind us that we are all in this together and nine times out of ten these insults really aren't personal so I want to share one of my favorites with you um which <laughs> was a kid um once asked me miss um what does patronizing mean and I said well it's when you talk down to someone as if they're like younger or inferior to you like in a bad way and then people said to me oh you mean like you did in our first ever lesson together? <laughs> Very good. That is, that's class. I like the fact that the fan. students set themselves up for the punchline. Yes. I appreciate that. 
skills. It skills. feels like the planning has gone into that beforehand, which I think makes me appreciate it even more. Yes. Um, Mike, you're insulted regularly. Uh, the best insult you've had. <laughs> yeah, I'll try and sift through all the ones I've had. Um, I had a uh, a student, a year seven student, standing, staring at a notice board during shooter time. What are you doing there? Well, I'm looking at the notice board, sir. Where should you be? Not here. Okay. So we, we delved into it. What's going on? Kept being very, very aloof and uncooperative. And our school policy is if you do not cooperate with teachers, you find yourself in the in sorry the isolation room. So I explained this to him and said, you know, I'm here to help you. I'm going to try to get you to where you need to be. No, I'd go to isolation, sir. So we're walking down the corridors, very amicable, very calm. And we walk past the head of year seven who says, ah, to the, the student, what are you doing? The student says, well, I'm with this dickhead, aren't I? <laughs> and points at me. And just insulted out of nowhere. Thought thought that the situation was on the hand and we were all very regulated and, um, yeah, <laughs> all the dickhead and... Uh, had to hand that one over to the head of year seven and walk away from that one. <laughs> you knew where you stood, Mike. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. What a no shouting, no swearing, no insults. It just came out of nowhere. Aww. I kind of appreciate it. Be open and honest with each other in schools, Mike. Important to be honest with people. Beautiful. If, you, if you've got one to share, do share it with me on Twitter. I'm at Adele Bates Z, at Adele Bates Z, and it's hashtag insult of the week. Um, my, Are my... people look at home, so I'm assuming, I mean, does someone at home insult you? Interesting. I know like, people uh... just randomly insult you walking down the street, so... So, so recently, mean, our, of... um, one of our garden fences blew down, um, and as a independent human being, I knocked on my neighbour's door and asked him to fix it, um, and I was allowed to help um, by... I was allowed to stand nearby uh, and my son watched this happen. Um, and afterwards he went, oh, daddy, Lee's so clever fixing the fence. He's so strong and he thinks things through. He's really clever at fixing things, daddy. Why can't you be more like that? Oh. <laughs> um, it hurts more that your, your son's a teenager, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to hear that from my three-year-old son, um, it's good. it's good. I've lowered his expectations of me as a as a human and as a father. Um, it's not as bad as when he first turned around to me and went uh, a balloon popped and he asked me if I could fix it and I said no, I can't. He went oh, and it was the first time I'd ever truly let him down. Um, and that sounds a wonderful moment to um, end the pod. Please do send um, send and share your insults of the week um, with us on Twitter and with Adele. Because uh, they are going, I follow, I follow you, Adele, mainly for insults of the week because it, it, it makes me laugh. Um, listeners, thank you so much for joining this week on Tea and Teaching. Uh, we'll be back soon. Um, I've been off more. He's been Mike Harrowell. We've had Adele Bates with us. Have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tea and Teaching. If you've enjoyed the content of this episode, please feel free to share it with other educators. And if you're able to, please leave a review on the platform. And as always, thank you for listening to Tea and Teaching.